We've got Taryn going to be sharing this morning. We've had people drive all the way from Coles Bay just to be here because Tara was sharing. It's, uh, Taryn, if you'd come, let's, let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you that it's your spirit who leads us in truth. Holy Spirit, you do that. And we just acknowledge that you're the one who does that. We open ourselves to you, Holy Spirit. But we thank you that you often use us as instruments, whether it's preaching or sharing a word of knowledge or a prophecy or praying for someone, you partner with us. And so we just pray your favor upon Taryn, your peace, and that she'd have the uh, clarity to communicate everything that you've put on her heart. But Lord, we open our hearts to what she says this morning and to you to minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. What a delight. Added to the church starts at three, so I've got a while. Is that right? <laughs> uh, I know it's a good worship time when I come up and I've got this voice on. <laughs> I think I need some vocal lessons or something. Okay, so I've been studying documentaries with my senior English class. And uh, one of them that I've loved and that my kids loved was called Ping Pong. Never too old for gold. <laughs> uh, produced in 2012. Um, and basically the story is that it follows these eight pensioners um, as they train for and compete in the World Table Tennis uh, Championships in Inner Mongolia. So um, there's some pretty old players over 80s. Um, but they've got this like amazing energy. It's, it's really crazy, crazy. Um, so this lady is Dorothy DeLoe. She's the Australian representative, um, 100 years old. Um, actually, one of the really great things in this film is that we see her mobbed by the, um, the Mongolian like fans, the teenagers. It's really funny because she's like sitting in a chair. Um, then we've got this guy. Um, his name is Les Darcy. Oh, no, Tim. I censored that. I put some little stars there. Actually, I messaged a few people and said, is this too risque? <laughs> oh, well. Um, he actually weightlifts um, as training for his championships in the, in the competition. Um, and then we've got this other lady who's American and um, at 85 is counted as one of the junior competitors. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so the goal of our study is to look at um, how filmmakers try and persuade us to believe different things. Um, so they use things like music and emotive language and uh, editing um, to shape our thinking. Um, one of the things that we have found is that it's really funny because what, what we'd like to think that we're in control of our thinking, but what they want us to think is actually what we end up thinking. And we can fight against what they try and tell us but then we're actually conforming to somebody else's thinking, which means that we're totally shaped by what they want us to think. <laughs> um, anyway, they use, these, they use techniques to, um, to appeal to our hearts and our minds. And also we want to hear from somebody with credibility and somebody that's trustworthy. So my students know these concepts as logos, pathos and ethos. 
Actually, some of my students are here today, so I think it's for like extra credit or something. <laughs> um, anyway, so logos is an appeal to logic and reasoning. It's, it's an appeal to our mind. We want to see examples, facts, definitions. Pathos is an appeal to our emotions. It activates and stirs our hearts. We want to see figurative language uh, and vivid descriptions. And finally, ethos is an appeal to character and ethics. Um, we want to know that somebody who's trying to sell us something or somebody who's trying to convince us of their opinion or tell us who to cheer for, uh, we want to know that they're a reputable source. We want to be able to trust them and know that they're um, sympathetic to our struggles, I guess. Um, all that aside, today I've got the job of sharing with you from Philippians 4. Um, and I was talking to some people before and the chapter is full of gold. So to find something to talk on, um, there was a lot of options, a lot of different choices. Um, and so given that I've only got however long, I encourage you to read that yourself, the chapter, and even the book, it's pretty short. Um, there's just so much gold in there. Um, so, so there I was with my students talking about logos, pathos and ethos when I realised something mulling over this idea of what am I going to talk about in Philippians 4, when I realised that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is a really good example of ethos, somebody who's credible and trustworthy. Um, his story is amazing. And of all the people to trust, I'd probably pick him. Um, so I just want to give you a little bit of background on Philippians um, before we launch into this. So... Um, Philippians was written to the people of Philippi, which is one of the first Christian communities that Paul set up. In fact, it was the first. Um, Philippi was a former, former Roman colony um, and it's where retired soldiers were. So when Jesus, uh, sorry, when Paul came in proclaiming Jesus as the true king of the world, there was a bit of an issue because they were these military guys who had a new a king other than Jesus. So he and his friends got into trouble. Um, but they remained a vibrant community, faithful to the ways of Jesus. Um, and so off Paul went and his followers kept copying stuff, of course. Um, so the letter is written to the Philippians with a call to keep following Jesus. Um, they urge not to live in fear, fear and anxiety, but to give all their emotion and needs to God who gives them peace. Paul started his life as Saul, a persecutor, um, of Jesus' followers. He had a radical encounter with the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus um, and it changed the tra trajectory, I practiced that word, of his life and spent the rest of his days proclaiming the message of Jesus. He wrote a lot of letters, one of which is Philippians. He was compassionate, humble and had an unwavering commitment to God and to his calling, even though it cost him incredible suffering and even death. One thing above all that makes Paul credible and trustworthy is that he loved Jesus. He put Christ above his own life. Um, one of the songs that he sings over and over again is this one from Philippians 1.20. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honour to Christ, whether I live or die. What a good mentor and teacher. Definitely worth uh, someone worth following. So there I was in my class thinking about Paul. 
and wondering, how does that compare to the tournament in Inner Mongolia? <laughs> I don't think it does. <laughs> okay, let's get to the, the scripture that I've chosen, which is Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So I was reading this passage over and over again, feeling anxious, hearing Paul's message on not feeling anxious, <laughs> when I realised that here's Paul, ethos exemplar, actually employing the persuasive techniques of pathos and logos. He's appealing to our heart and our mind and, and he's saying this is how we can have peace. So the key to peace is having a heart and a mind aligned to Jesus. So today I want to talk on why Jesus equals peace because who doesn't want more peace? This passage mentions peace twice. First after a speech on the heart and then after a speech on the mind. So let's look at those two verses. Um, I've done some fancy highlighting here. Um, so the orange is the appeal to the heart but for now I want to look at the white bit. Yes, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, and the God of peace will be with you. The, um, yeah, good. Um, and then the next one, is that the next one? Yes. So the yellow bit is the appeal to the mind. The blue bit is, um, is actually uh, an ethos statement, Paul telling us that why he's trustworthy. Um, and the white one, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, the end in both cases implies that whatever be came before, that's the key to peace. Okay, so let's look at the orange section, the appeal to the heart. Um, I've broken it down into parts for your listening convenience. <laughs> Firstly, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Yes. Okay, so the ability to rejoice is a heart attitude. It calls for something more than mere happiness. Um, which is superficial and dependent on circumstances, like when ice creams are on special for half price, or when Buddy kicks a bunch of goals, unlike Friday night, or when there's a park out the front of Kmart when it's raining. They are happy things. They're temporary and they're fleeting. If only ice creams were always on sale. This verse calls us to something more than that, something deeper. It's right in the core of our person. This deep joy is something that comes from our saving knowledge of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I found this picture and it made me concerned because as if that's reality, we can rejoice always, I'm sure, when we're there in the Bahamas <laughs> on a pristine beach, deserted, with the clearest blue water, mojito in hand. But how often is that our reality? Not very often. 
In Acts 13, the message was spreading rapidly and Paul and the disciples were copying it for speaking the word of God and proclaiming salvation. They wouldn't have felt like they were in a tropical paradise. So Acts 13, verse 30, uh, sorry, 50. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I feel like if anything could take away Paul's joy, it would be this, suffering and rejection and mocking and violence and people speaking bad things about him behind his back. But they, uh, the conditions, they didn't lead to happiness. Nothing on the outward would have made them happy in a, like a surfacy way. But they were full of joy, that passage says, and it's because they were full of the Holy Spirit. Um, in reality, most of us won't face the kind of violence that Paul faced, but it, it doesn't make the things that we face any less challenging or any less real. There's going to be storms in our lives. Um, bills keep coming. People get sick. The to-do list probably will always have an item on it. Um, but... Even despite all those things, we can be full of joy because we can be full of the Holy Spirit. Um, in fact, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And in Psalm 16, verse 11, David writes, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the key to joy seems to be more Jesus. I've been doing the Activate course with Johan and Fiona. That's been really good. I recommend you do it. Um, but one of the key concepts that we focused on is how we can have, um, how we can know the Holy Spirit more. And I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. doesn't mean that you can't do the course though. It's a very big and complicated solution to know the Holy Spirit more. Here it is. Just ask. <laughs> Just, uh, that's like nine weeks summarised, right? We're only into week five, though, so I don't really know what's coming, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, so God wants to love on us. All we need to do is ask and, and we can know him better and we can abide, him, abide in him more. Um, it's, it's, actually, it's really simple. Um, and the kind of joy that God gives isn't circumstantial. It's this, like, deep knowledge that Jesus is the centre of it all, that he's got our backs it's the knowledge that he is an anchor for our soul. It doesn't mean that we can escape the troubles of the world, but it does mean that we can align our hearts and set our compasses on Jesus. So, now that we've got that joy, 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 joy down in our hearts, we'll keep moving. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Apparently, according to Amazon, this is the most highlighted verse of the Bible. And with anxiety being a, a really serious problem, um, I can understand why. Um, this passage is even more encouraging because of the fact that Paul wrote this letter from prison. Um, and if anyone was going to feel anxious, it would be him. Um, Notice that he says not to be anxious and in the very next breath he says, but by prayer and petition, 
He tells us to pray and thank God in every situation. That's the key to peace. So we're called to move from anxiety to peace through prayer. Sometimes I forget that God is who he says he is. And I, and I try to take all, all the stuff back that I've given to him. And, and maybe it's because I think I'm better at managing my own life. I'd like to think I'm alone in this, but I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> we get stressed and instead of praying, we work and we work really hard in our own strength. Is it any wonder that we lack peace? Psalm 55:22 says, Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Give your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. Philippians 4.19, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. He cares about you. Um, this is one of my very favourite passages. Matthew 6 will be on the screen. Therefore I tell you, do not be worried about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than, f- sorry, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love the picture of the birds there. God loves the birds and he cares for them. Um, And they're lovely little winged friends and they don't disappoint him. But yet he loves us more than them. That's phenomenal. We, We who question him and doubt him and take back our stuff and... Here it says that we're more valuable than them. Ah, it's good, it's good. So we've got to remember that God is good and he is for us. He's good, got good gifts for us, his children. We can pray and be thankful. We can partition him and expect that he'll provide for our needs. He cares for you. His heart is for you. You're his dearly loved child. He's opened a way for you to come to him through the Holy Spirit. Spend time with him. Get to know his heart for you. A side note about prayer. Um, Prayer is something that I have struggled with and have been working on for a number of years. And I think the issue for me with prayer, um, and it's silly because pray to get rid of anxiety, but I've got anxiety around prayer. (laughs) Um, I think too often we get stuck in what is this prayer supposed to sound like? What is this prayer supposed to be like? And it's a trap from the enemy because God does not care. He doesn't care if it's small or if it's loud or if it's quiet or if it's long or if it's short. He does not care. He just wants to hear from you. Uh. 
That one's for free. So we've looked at stuff on the heart so far about rejoicing and not worrying but praying and thanking and this is the key to having the peace of God. Um, The second part of the bit that I want to share from Philippians 4 is about the mind. It's the logos part, the appeal to logic and reasoning. Okay, so Paul tells us to think well so that we can have peace. Let's read. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. <laughs> Actually, I'm a good, very fast reader. Yeah. Okay. So, is anyone like me in that your thoughts take you into weird, strange, dark places? And sometimes you have to tell your brain to shut up because it's overexcited and it's out of control. I have the most bizarre dreams. The night before last, I was with a bunch of you guys actually in Tanzania and um, we were staying at a house which is in St Helens and we were all complaining because there were no clean glasses and then the taxi turned up to take us to a dance party that was right next door. (laughs) Actually that one's fairly normal. (laughs) My thoughts in the night are too bizarre for my thoughts in the day to also be crazy. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) So I want to know how do we stop those dark negative thoughts that take over our brains? And Paul gives us his list. Think about what is true, lovely, right, pure, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. These words are the fruit of a mind guarded by peace. These are things that we should be putting into our mind so that they can come out of our mind. But how do we get them into our minds? The word think here is, um, in other versions, meditate. We're called to ponder, reflect on and meditate on these things. So I've collected some Bible verses for you. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Bible talks about thinking a lot. We are what we think. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need to think about what we think about. The Psalms are full of calls to meditate um, and David, who wrote a number of them, even speaks to his soul. Um, he says, Psalm 1, 1 to 2 says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. A couple of keys for meditation and thinking about your thinking are to remember what God has done for you and in you and for his people in history. Um, And also to grab onto a specific truth and hold on to that. So, for example, God, you've saved me from a life of fear and worry. You've revealed yourself to me and your people. You've given me a hope and an anchor for my soul. You are merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Remind yourself what he's done for you. And then hold on to a specific truth. 
We've covered a lot of ground today. I could have done all of chapter four. We would have been here for four hours then. (laughs) Okay, so by way of summary and conclusion, I've come up with four action steps for you. Action steps for more peace in our life. And I've called them keys to peas. Keys to peas. <laughs> Actually, I had a lot of trouble finding a, a peas picture that didn't have a background on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, key number one. Learn from great mentors. Paul is a good role model. He's always available and we can read about his struggles and discoveries whenever we want. He went through a lot and still had the attitude that if he were alive or dead, it didn't matter either way because he would be with Jesus. Spend time with Paul. Yeah. Number two, rejoice in the Lord. We can't always be in the Bahamas. Joy comes from knowing Jesus and having a heart surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Three, move from anxiety to peace through prayer and thankfulness. He wants us to give our struggles and our worries to him. He knows what's going on anyway. Be expectant to receive from him. And finally, four, think about your thinking. Meditate. Spend time in the word. If you find yourself going into those dark thought places, tell your brain to be quiet. Keep your mind alert to what God's saying to you. I should have started them all with P. (laughs) One, Paul. Two, praise. Three, prayer. Four, ponder. Now I've just interrupted my flow, the vibe. Oh, well. (laughs) Why don't you all close your eyes with me? If we can surrender our thinking to God, he promises his peace. The good thing is he doesn't leave us alone to try and work it out. He doesn't leave us to try and work out how not to be anxious. He doesn't leave us alone to work out how to rejoice and to think good things. God has left us with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through a flipping documentary about table tennis. He encourages our restless hearts and minds. He draws us to himself. He's given us this how-to manual on the Christian life. It's with us all the time. It's on your phone. Get into it. He gives us peace. He allows us to bring our little faith into his presence And he grows it into something wonderful. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us all the time. That you allow us to be joy-filled people. That you allow us to rejoice in you, in the Holy Spirit. God, we ask for more of you. Knowing that all we need to do is ask Holy Spirit, we want to know you more. Thank you that you're our peace. Thank you that you're our source. 
Thank you that we can find all we need in you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise of peace. Amen.